Hello, everyone. My name is Joanne Lockwood, and I am the host of the Inclusion Bites podcast. In this series, I will be interviewing a number of amazing people and simply having a conversation around the subject of inclusion, belonging, and generally making the world a place for everyone to thrive in. If you'd like to join me in the future, then please do drop me a line to joe.lockwood at seachangehappen.co.uk. You'll be able to catch up with all of the shows on iTunes, Spotify, and all of the usual places. So plug in your headphones, grab a decaf, and let's get going. Today is episode three, with the title of Diversity Fatigue Through the Lens of a Middle-Aged White Guy. And I have the absolute honor and privilege to be joined by Scott MacArthur, no less. And I first met Scott at a professional speaking association conference in 2018, and we hit it off straight away. Scott is a mentor, a speaker, a writer, and as he says, has worked with musical producers as a rock music producer, a TEDx speaker, a business consultant, an HR director, a zoo ambassador, research scientist, and today Scott focuses his writing and keynote speeches on the employee experience and the workplace of the future. This is all through his lens, experiences of science and technology. He has a particular interest in emergent technologies and cognitive diversity. Scott has worked at over 300 companies worldwide. Wow. Including PwC, Atos, Superdry, Willis, Deloitte, Specsavers, Capgemini, and the Chinese Olympic Authority. Mm, I bet they've got problems at the moment. So I asked <laughs> Scott to describe his superpower, and he said, I know how to read. So hello, Scott. How are you? Hi, Joe. Nice to speak to you. How are you? Okay. I'm very good, thank you. Good. Nice to see so, you. So, yeah, I mean, we met um, oh, a year and a bit ago at uh, that PSA yeah. conference in, uh, where was it, Coventry Way, wasn't it? Coventry, yes. That was, yeah. uh, that was an interesting experience in itself, wasn't it? Yeah, um, we, we kind of gravitated, uh, kind of kindred, like-minded spirits. Um, yeah, yeah, there was a bar With an emphasis on the spirits. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was good. It was interesting because I, I think if I remember rightly, there was there was quite a lot of um, people knew each other, and you and I didn't really know many people there. I think that's so right. we gravitated, and that's why we gravitated. But it was a it was a good it was a good force of gravity. That I'll never forget that it was a good introduction. Yeah. It was, yeah. It, it's it's quite daunting when you go to these events for the first oh. time on your own. Yes, uh, and yeah. everybody seems to know each other, don't they? And it's uh, yeah. yeah. And uh, I think we looked I mean, after I, each other well. I think we did, and I mean, I, 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 I actually, if I'm absolutely honest, I, I'm not that. Co- despite the fact I'm a public speaker these days, I feel quite uncomfortable in social environments like that. So, yeah. um, but for example, my my, oh, I dread dinner parties, and I can't stand you know formal networking events. So, it's um, yeah, I think I can empathise with people who struggle with it. So yeah, you're kind of collect sort of self-professed introvert. Is that is that how you would describe yourself, or is it just? I, I don't think I'm an introvert. I mean, I, I, I've done all the tests, and I'm not. A, you, you know that I'm not a great uh, believer in the well. The, the science is very poor behind most of these tests, but yeah. uh, I guess I'm a, a. I'm maybe an introverted extrovert. Is that? I don't know if that makes any sense, but I I like my own company. You know, I really like my own company, and I think it's partly why my superpower is reading books because. Um, I love being in the company of Tolstoy or Carl Sagan, you know, and I can do that by opening a book. Um, um, and I can be quite difficult to get to know as well because I, I, I put up this shield quite often that's 
not always particularly welcoming. So, um, yeah, I, I'm uh, introverted, extrovert, I'm extroverted, introvert. I don't really know. But well, I, amb- I just, ambivert, I think, is the uh, kind of... Yeah, in the middle. Yeah, I've read about that as well. But I, maybe, I don't know. I don't know. But I'm certainly, I, I, I don't feel comfortable in social environments. And this is easy because I know you and I, I, you know, I could talk to you all day. Um, but, um, you know, certainly in, in, in these environments, I, I feel quite uncomfortable. But the, the PSA, the Professional Speakers Association, does get easier, doesn't it? Once you get into it and you, you crack oh, the veneer yeah. of the, you know, you get, you get to know these people. So, um, I, I think great. because we're all, as speakers, we're all opinionated. We all want to sell our ideas. We all yeah. have a certain stagecraft and presence about us. That's probably why it's right. daunting. And I think once you realize that you are the same ilk, if you like, and then yes. people f- start finding us daunting now, don't they? And it's kind of, oh, they do. Is, yeah, yeah, I think it's just a, a case of breaking that ice and, uh, and just jumping in. I think both feet first, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, there's a Scottish saying, I don't know how well it translates, but it's, uh, we're all Jock Tamsin's bairns. Um, and what that basically says is we're all the same, you know, we're all from the same yeah. place. Um, but, uh, sometimes you, you have to rediscover that you're just the same as everybody else. Um, and in so, that environment, it can be quite difficult. So I noticed you've uh, done a couple of TEDx's over your, over your life. Yeah. I watched a few on the YouTube the other day. And if anyone's listening in, uh, do look up Scott MacArthur's, uh, a couple of tenets on YouTube. If you tell us the titles and, and just tell us what that experience is like. Um, well, I've done two. What one was the, one of the biggest ones in Europe, which was TEDx Warwick. Um, there was a couple of thousand people there. Um, that I have to say, Joe, that that was that was quite a moment for me. I call I call it a threshold moment. You know, you have these experiences in your life that suddenly you go whoa, and you see things differently. So at that. At that TEDx, I spoke about um, why facts don't change people. And it's all about, you know, how important storytelling is and how important cognitive bias is, et cetera. And I was coming at that from my scientific and psychological training and, and past. But I'll tell you about the best that was. Um, it wasn't the TEDx. I mean, that was daunting. It was, I mean, I'd done lots of speaking at that point. But having 2,000 people in front of you and a red dot, you know, it was quite scary. But um it was the meal afterwards that was actually the, the threshold moment because they, they took us out to a, a really nice hotel to have dinner. And I'm sat there with, um, I'll just give you a few. There was a guy who's become a dear friend who's one of the UK's leading AI experts. There was a, a guy who was a prison guard from California. There was a professor from Bristol who's one of the world's leading authorities on nanotechnology. She's an incredible creature. Um, there was a woman there who was an opera singer who was one of the, she was lead, lead soprano in the, the Covent Garden Oxford, uh, Covent Garden Opera Company. Unbelievably different people. I and mean, we were all sitting there giving each other feedback. And it was just like, uh, it, it, it was incredible. You know, you, you wouldn't on the face of it think that an opera singer could tell somebody from a scientific background about, you know, how to improve his talk, but she really could. So that was a, a threshold moment. Um, the second one I did was, was TEDx Telford, which is a much smaller, you know, a hundred people, you know, much, much smaller experience. But the intimacy that was, was terrific. And at that one, I, I, I did something that I never thought I would do. I, I spoke about my, my relationship with my grandfather, who was very, very dear to me. And, and the talk was called, uh, who is paying for your attention? And it was all about how, 
the analog technologies, which is the future. I mean, analog is the next big thing. I mean, digital's coming to the end of its time and, and analog's going to be next. And, um, and I was basically going back to the future. I was explaining to them why, you know, a, a letter I'd had from my grandfather and I've got a box of them that are foot deep and I call it my grandfather's foot, um, which always cocks people's attention. But, uh, but I could, I could smell his aftershave. I could, I could feel his writing and where really he changed his mind. And there was all these people crying, you know, in, in the audience. It was wonderful. So that one was more, I guess it was slightly more about my, myself. You know, it was about my, my own story and telling it for the first time publicly, which was, you know, something I do as a speaker a lot, but that was a really intimate one. I mean, I really did. I mean, I was in tears. I, I came out off the stage and I was crying. Um, you can't see that in the video, but I was, I was crying. Um, and so it was a complete, two different experiences, but, I'll tell you what, um, that whole, and I know some people, uh, criticize TEDx and say there's too many of them now and, you know, you don't get paid to do it. I have a lot of nonsense. Um, I, I absolutely love it and I cannot wait to do the next one. It's a privilege to have the opportunity to stand up there and, and meet these incredible people. I mean, the, the, the one at, Tel- at Telford, there was, Funny enough, there was a diversity expert. There was um, there was a marketing guru. There was a guy who uh, is a design expert. There was a chap who was a, 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 a global warming expert. You know, so there was a. An, oh, we've oh, lost Scott. Oh, hold on! Oh, Something just back. happened. He's back. Back. Yeah. We've got a global warming expert and a an incredible array of different types of people. So it it was it was a privilege. Uh, and it is a privilege to be to be associated with it. So, bring on the next one. Yeah, I've not done one yet. I I have applied once. I didn't get accepted. Uh, hmm. I don't think I found my story. I need to find what something unique, something that I've got a passion yeah. about, and crystallise it as a one-off. Yes. Um, whereas I think before the mistake I made was I tried to just tell a general sort of like doesn't work. And then, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't really, uh, it's not, it's, it's not repurposing an existing keynote. This is developing something specific for oh, yeah. the TEDx, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I think the, the other thing is, I mean, the mistake I made, well, not a mistake, it was a, it was a learning thing. Um, the first one, well, they're both good, good titles, you know, why facts don't change people. Are you paying attention or who is paying for your attention? They're both easy to remember. They're both easy to say. And, they, and people, they, they are what I call ge- uh, generative. You know, you immediately think, well, what's he going to be talking about? And I think that helps, you know, so if you go in there and some people do, and I don't think you should, but you go in there and you're selling a book or, you know, you're selling a product. I don't think that works. You just have to be yourself um, and and come up with something from your experience that, that you know, that really, really captures people. Um, actually, I'll tell you what you can speak about. I remember you telling me this. You, you, you said to me, and this is quite personal, so you might want to edit this out, Joe. But but you said to me, you know, uh, one of my stories is about how I turned my wife into a lesbian. Yes, that would get a hundred thousand hits in a second on a TEDx. <laughs> it would, because yeah. it's got it, it's got it's what's that about? It's 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 got obviously sex. It's got also oh, so funny, and it's that sort of title that works as a TEDx. Um, one of my one of my uh, uh, mentees just now, she's. Um, uh, the chief executive at Twycross Zoo, and I'm, I'm the zoo ambassador there. And she's just done one, and it was uh, called How to Be More Bonobo. And it's rocketed. It's, it's got over 40,000 hits. Wow. Because it's just this unusual title, and folk go, what's that about? So it's 
it's, there's an art yeah. to it, and I'm not saying I'm particularly good at it, but but there's an art to it, and I think it is about having one simple thing that you talk about for for 15 minutes. Yeah, no, I I I don't half forgotten about that as a as a talk title. Um, I've still got Brilliant. it in me. I've still got it in me. Maybe maybe that's the one I I yeah. expand and, and go for. Yeah, and that's a, that's a yeah. I'm not going to edit this out. I mean, for the benefit of people who are curious, yeah. it's uh, about how I took part. My wife and I took part in a Channel 4 documentary, which yeah. uh, documented the uh, my gender transition. Uh, so I we went from a what people would label us as a heterosexual couple into a a same gender couple. Which uh, so on national TV, uh, she kind of became a lesbian, and that's kind of the base <laughs> of the talk. But I would go into a lot more about yeah the. Uh, how we like to label people, how we we feel more comfortable, and we can put people in boxes, which is probably the, the basis of that talk. That yes. uh, people want to assume that uh, those are our labels, and actually, we're not sure what our labels are. In fact, we don't bother with labels. We don't. We just in a in a marriage. That's how we would describe ourselves. Yes, uh, of yes. two people, uh, and that's yes. uh, yeah. But no, that's that's probably a good point. I, I, what I need to do is I probably need to. Dig out some applications and uh, and go and ha- and go on a hunt for a, uh, a TEDx opportunity somewhere. Yeah, good point. I'd have a go uh, it's, it's a great it's a great experience. So I, I titled this uh, when we t- we talked about um, diversity fatigue through the lens of lens of a middle aged white guy. And the reason I, I, yeah. I suggest this is we, we hear this expression of white male pale style banded around. For me, it's a horrible expression. Mm. It's discriminatory. It's insulting and, and doesn't have any place in, in my world. Um, but also I am aware there is diversity fatigue. You know, we're always quoting McKinsey. We're always quoting these stats. Yeah. Uh, we're throwing millions and millions globally on, on unconscious bias training, but we, I think we both know that it's not working. We're not moving. No. We're not sh- causing a shift change in culture overnight or even at all yeah i think the latest stats on gender pay gap we're looking at 2080 before we get even gender parity yeah uh, and if, it almost we're making it worse before we get there so i'm also conscious that uh, i speak to many men and they're yeah. starting to feel marginalized they're not being involved yeah. in the conversation so how, how do you feel as a as a man as a white guy yeah. in in that space talking about diversity and cognitive diversity Right. Well, there's two parts to that. There's, there's, there's the professional part, which, um, I mean, I spent 15 years, um, working in the, the HR world. I was an HR director. I, I worked in British Gas. I worked in Scottish and Newcastle, quite male environments, but I, but I worked in what they used to call equal opportunities for 15 years. Um, and I professionally feel excited actually about what's happening because what, what you've currently got and it's, it's a bit like politics at the moment um, there are interim moments I remember I said that phrase threshold moments before I, I take great pride in being involved in the 80s and the 90s and laying the foundation that's come to today you know I think it it has moved um, if you'd gone to a gas engineer in the back of a van in the 1980s when I was at British Gas they would, have, they would have laughed at you, you know, and I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about me talking about equal opportunities. They would just laugh at you. You know, what are you talking about little girls? Well, they've got no role in, in this blah, blah, blah. And now we're at a point where, yeah, there is, it's everywhere. And, and it, it, 
for me, it's it's an interim step because it shouldn't be like this. It shouldn't be everywhere. You know, it should be like electricity. It should just be there, but invisible. You know, it shouldn't be something we have to talk about. That's the next phase. So professionally, I, I, I'm, I'm, I think it's amazing. You know, I, I'm really excited about it. Um, but personally, um, there are things that are getting in my wick. Um, I, 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 labeling just drives me nuts. Um, I hate that toxic masculinity phrase. I cannot stand it because not just because it's stupid, um, but because it, 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 that we all know, well, you and I definitely know that if you label somebody something, they take on that label. So it's completely counterintuitive. It's, it's crazy. Um, but as a bloke who looks for work in like the conference environment and I now have this monster that I'm competing against and it's called diversity. Um, and it does, it, it hurts my business right now. So it's not, it, you know, so there's a professional side of me is quite comfortable with it. But in terms of opportunities for me, it's had a negative impact. Um, so I have to balance that. And I mean, I'm obviously very happy about it in terms of the, the humanity side of it. But being in the interim phase is quite complex. And, mm. and I think one of the things, I think one of the reasons you and I hit off is we can have that sort of conversation. You know, we can have, sorry, I don't know what, the, I don't know what to say. Uh, what do I say, Joe? You know, and, and you, one of your other phrases that could be another good TEDx title is, you know, don't be a dick. You know that? You've said that to me a million times. And I think that is really telling because the, the environment's full of people on one side being offended. They become professional at being offended. I think that's a horrible trait. And another side are just becoming more and more tox- toxic because of the labeling. So mm. actually, we've got to be really careful about how we, because we're all Jock Tamsons, Bairns, you know, we're all just people trying to do our best. And I think you said in your introduction, helping people thrive. And that's ultimately where I think we're, where we're heading. Mm. So we're on a journey and I think we're getting there. I think we're making real amazing progress. Amazing progress. Yeah, there's some great points you've, you've brought up there. And I find sometimes in the, in the, let's call it in the DNI space, the conversations yeah. that go on, you end up with these two polarized camps, you know, the, yeah. the, the people who won't change and the people who demand change. And then there's often no room for the centrist view where people come together, where people are able to have these, I don't know conversations. Please help me understand this. I yeah. want to make things better. I want to make change. And I'd love you to help me type conversations. We keep getting caught up with, bad language we, we throw in phobias and isms all the time and yeah oh. let's, let's, let's be clear there are some people who are toxic there are people out there yes, it's not massive, it's not males that's not white people that's just there are toxic people, people. on both sides of the argument that will yep. come together and have conversations and yep. i understand why people have entrenched views having been oppressed having been brought up in an environment where they yeah they have lived experience of uh, being discriminated against and bullied and beaten up and violent. So I understand fully why people have oh, yeah. protection yeah. views. But I think in a corporate world, we need to start coming together in this centrist ground, having open lines conversations, um, yeah. without fear of reprisal. If you get it wrong in, in, if you're, if you're coming from a, from a position of respect, from open heart, to listen, yeah. to learn, then we should embrace people like that. And I think that's the that's challenge awesome. we have at the moment. And, yeah, but I think we still do detect some protectionists from you know, the middle-aged white guys sometimes because often we see initiatives that favour women, that favour yeah. ethnic minorities, that favour people of different faith. Almost the point where we're saying, well, actually, if you're the white guy on this on this um, uh, slate for this role, 
you stand less yeah. chance than a diversity candidate. And that's, no, that's a right. pushback, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and I mean, that's why we formed, a, a, I'm part of a group called the Whole Man Academy, the, the Whole Man Academy, which is a, a group of guys, there's, there's, there's three of us, four of us mainly, who are looking at, initially it was to create a space for men to talk, because men aren't as good uh, as others at speaking, um, and, you know, getting, you know, airing their feelings, talking about how they're, uh, how they're coping with the label of things like toxic masculinity, and Tell us the really interesting, Joe. Our, our, our audience is, is, is men only, right? It's absolutely and deliberately and unashamedly men only. We've had our biggest audience is women, which is really interesting. We'll come back to that. And our second biggest audience is, is the, 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 the bisexual and gay community and the trans community. And our third community is men. So we seem to be getting, you know, this upside down response. Um, and it's really interesting because I'm just watching it, you know, yeah. what's going on, you know. Um, and on the whole, and I mean, I'm speaking in stereotypes, but on the whole, women are coming because they want their men to come. So they're saying, I'm going to buy John a ticket because John needs to talk to somebody about his feelings or about his biases. or And we give them that environment, and that's great. The, the 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 bi and gay and trans community seem to be, and this is a terrible stereotype, and I'd, I'd love to know what you think of this, but the impression we're getting is they're more in touch with their feelings, so they're coming anyway. I mean, half of our audience, literally in every event, is, 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 is from that community. And then finally, we're getting very few, um, uh, you know, heterosexual men coming into that environment that want to actually talk about how they feel. They, they, you know, they're just not coming. So, it's a it's a fascinating you know as an experiment mm. it's fascinating you know and uh, we we we've had events where our last event had uh, you know the uh, Rob Rinder Judge Rinder from the from the television you know that chap he came he spoke Charlie King who's from Towie came along I was speaking we had some others and we attracted twenty five people yeah whereas if I do a talk in London over a hundred people turn up if I'm doing an open thing in a pub so I get more than the whole man academy. And I think it's the label, it's the man bit that, that, so, I mean, we're not giving up because I think it's a really worthwhile and an important piece, particularly given, uh, if you look at the, the mental health part of it, so many young men killing themselves, um, that, you know, we need to do something about it. We need to help. Um, but it's a very interesting social experiment, Joe. Mm. What you think of it, but I think it's a really, and it is partly in reaction to, you know, everything's about, you know, not me, you know, yeah. what me? And I think that, I think that's fair. That's a good natural human reaction. I mean, I I'm not sorry for that. Not in the slightest. No, I, I think you're, so speaking from my own lens, my own perspective and my own lived yeah. experience, yeah. what you're saying about people who may be LGBT. Yeah. I certainly went through a phase in my life where I had to think about me, who I was, my identity, yeah. relationships I had with other people, some of the things that I, in my life that I liked, disliked, places I want to move from and to. Uh, and when I considered my own gender transition, I had to think about collateral damage, who I was going to hurt, was yeah. it worth it, who am I, all this kind of stuff's going on in my head. So I probably did a lot of self-reflection, self-analysis about my own sense of self and identity. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, and I think many people who go through whatever transition that is in their life, whether they've had uh, an illness, uh, an incapacity, or 
they've had a, a major death in their in their family or close friends. We all yeah. start to then think about our own mortality and humanity, don't we? At that point, yeah. Uh, and I think it's quite probably a true observation that That's in my in my previous life, I, I I didn't do that as as I was so focused on being the head of the family, earning income, yeah, delivering my job, um, hunter killer, protectionist type role, <laughs> yeah, showing no weakness. Uh, yes. And being there at 100%, 24 by 7, to make sure I was delivering what I could at work, delivering what I could for the family. Uh, and then I realized that there was no fulfillment in that. It was just an empty life. I, was, I, was, I wasn't living to live. I was living to work. Yeah, I was yes. working, and I was working to live. And I, I as, as a result of my change, I rebalanced my entire life that actually I want to live my life. I want to live my life. I want to enjoy my downtime and I want to enjoy what I do. And yeah. I don't want, I don't, I was thinking about, we were, I was out shopping uh, in the local Tesco's at the weekend with my wife. And I remember we filled our trolley up and we, we got to the cashier. And I remember there's been times in my life where I dreaded having to pay the bill thinking, will this card work? Have I got enough money? Can we pay the rent? Can we pay the mortgage? Can yeah. we do this? And I, I kept all that in my head without sharing it with my family. So I had all this pressure. I had cash right. issues with the business. You know, I couldn't draw, couldn't draw my, my monthly allowance that month because the business hadn't generated enough profit. I was paying yes. the staff. I was, I was doing credit control almost aggressively to get money in from clients to pay people, to pay that, to pay that. And then there's only a little bit left for me sort of thing. And I've, so I remember sort of 20 years of my life running a business, literally mm. worrying about everybody. Yeah. And never, and no one ever. I never allowed myself to open up and say, well, how about me? I feel yes. I can't cope anymore. I really am struggling. Yes. Yes. And I've, I've certainly learned over the last three or four years, a different way of being, which mm. the gender transition has been a, a, a catalyst and a realization. Uh, and I'm not saying it's cause and effect, but you know, this was obviously in my head a long time. Mm. Um, but it has, as I, I think it's interesting. You, you note that, your target audience is your minority group. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yes, fascinating. Yes. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you, you've reminded me that one of the phrases that your audience might not have heard before is uh, this phrase, cognitive diversity. Um, and I think what you've just said, it really it quite didactic there because it, it, it reminded me of you know, how I felt and how... You know, I grew up in a, you know, an ex-mining town in the roughest part of Scotland that you can imagine. Very male-dominant, classic man getting the pay, going to the pub, and the wife having to come down and pull him out of the pub to get money to feed the kids. You know that that environment. Um, and I never met a person who was outwardly gay until I was in my twenties. I never met a person of colour until I was probably nineteen. Um, you know, it was all that environment. And to expect anyone to come out of that environment, male, female, not to be impacted by it, is a completely ridiculous thing to expect. Mm. And I, I have been unfair on, like my father, for example, who on the face of it is a homophobic racist. Um, however, he's on his journey. I'm on my journey. You know, we have different journeys. He's never met anyone. He's never had the experience to question, you know, where he was brought up. And it's why I often say to people, you know, that, you know, 
Yeah, it's a bit trite, forgive me, but you know, seek first to understand before being understood. You know, you've got to learn to to to, to ask questions, you know, and, and not make judgments because Joe, you've got cognitive biases just as much as I have, as you know. Um, and it, 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 it's difficult. And that's why I, I like you because you and I have these debates where we'll probably fall out, you know, because we're like, ah, that, does, that doesn't make any sense. But that's exactly how it should be. You know, you should be able to have uh, this different perspective. And again, uh, one of the things I really value about our friendship is, is that it's, it's cognitively diverse. We mm. are not the same. You know, and we shouldn't be the same, you know, and, and it means, and this is why, again, I like the, the in, in many ways, I quite like the Professional uh, Speaking Association because, you know, again, you can be sitting there and you can be talking to someone who's an expert at doing training courses on cruise ships, you know, mm. and then you can be speaking to somebody who's an expert at speaking about rape, and then you can be speaking to somebody who's an expert on LinkedIn, you know, and you have these cognitively diverse perspectives mm. and what and what that does if you're willing if you're willing to see it what that does is it holds a mirror up to you and goes do you know what joe or do you know what scott i don't i don't agree with you i see it differently and that's where the magic is i mean the, david mm. white one of my one of my favorite poets he says in one of his most beautiful poems he says start close in Right, start close in, and what he means is you've got to start with yourself. And the only way you can, well, sorry, there's, there's multiple ways, but one of the main ways you can do it is by meeting people who are different to you, because they look at you and they go, "You're weird," or you know, "I don't agree with you," and that's like, "Oh, no one's ever said that to me before." Mm. And as long as you've got that soft front thing, you you can you can actually, you know, learn about yourself from a stranger, and mm. that's terrific, terrific. But most folk don't see it. No, that's that's one of the things I, I I try and talk about when I'm consulting or training or running workshops yeah. is about the, the expression "go and drink in someone else's pub." If you keep yeah. drinking in your own pub, you meet the same people. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, go, yeah, go to a stranger's pub. You, you get yeah. involved with conversations, meet new people, expand yeah. your perspective, be likable, be approachable, be open, be vulnerable. Yeah. And just yes. get involved with conversations with different people. And yes. I often yes. encourage people to look at their circle of friendships, look at their, the people they know in their life. And yeah. without making it sound tokenistic, work out who you're not friends with. Work out what people yeah. you don't have in your life. And yes. then find a way of meeting people. Either join community yes. groups, volunteer, get out, mm. get out there and, and drink in other pubs or, or just meet different people in different yeah, yeah. groups. And then you, you expand your, your circle of friends. Uh, absolutely. I, I think we've all got room at our table for more perspectives. Oh yeah. As soon yeah, as we absolutely. start narrowing our perspectives, we get we get a single view of the world, and then we have these polarized uh, conversations where nobody can have the middle ground. You have it's almost yes. like a medieval battle where people are standing on the hills with their archers firing at each other. You've got all, <laughs> yes. all the all the foot soldiers and the horse men on horses and the, their swords and things are getting slaughtered on the battlefield. Hmm. And, the, and the general just look at each other and go, hmm, that didn't work. There's twice some more arrows. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yes. And these battles are just last man standing things, aren't they? That no yes. one wins. It's just who doesn't, yes. who doesn't die. Who doesn't die. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. And there is that's, a, there is that's what we are sometimes in these DNI conversations. It's, it's the loudest voice, the biggest, the biggest fist. Who's not going to die? Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. Pummel people into, I've given up arguing. I just can't take anymore. I'm out. My mental health won't take yes. this. I'm out. 
Uh, And that's what the press, Twitter, and all these online stuff does now. It just spreads hate from the two hills with the arrows flying at each other. Yes, absolutely. um, There's there's actually, there's an app. um, Have you heard of Shaper? No, I haven't, no. no. It's it's kind of Tinder without the sex. Um, And and, and what... And what it what it talks about, and I'm not saying it's a great app. It's it, it's an okay app, um, but it's one of these swipey things. But it swipes on interestingness, and I quite like that. I don't even know if that's a word. Um, okay. But so, for example, you'll go on there, and it'll have like people from a broad kirk, you know. So you'll have scientists, poets, engineers, gardeners, whatever, cooks, and you can meet them. You can connect with them and get to know them. Now, I don't. It's not. It's not. A great. I mean, I think you're better to get into something like the PSA than you are at a shaper. But if you're sitting at home now and you're wondering how to meet people, it could be a way to start. You know, I met a, mm. I met a, a very interesting um, a microbiologist. Now, that's not a million miles from me because I used to be in that game. But nevertheless, it's been 30 years since I've done it. So when I met her, it was really interesting. You know, and it was just, and she is an interesting person. You know, and 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 that and that's a way to meet people. But because of the way society's changed, and I mean, the other thing that, that I think in this, you mentioned it, community groups, we're not good at that anymore. I mean, I, I'm, I'm an atheist and I, I, I don't find, um, you know, the, the God thing helpful. But I do find church helpful, oddly, because church, if you take away the God stuff, was a great place for people to come together, to dance, to sing, to mm. talk, to, you know. And, and we haven't replaced that in society because the church is dying. And that's, and that is a good thing. Um, from, and from my perspective, sorry if you don't agree with that, but that's from my perspective, a good thing. But we also, I think, have let, therefore left a gap. Um, and there's a chap called Alain de Botton talks about this. He talks about the school of life and he, he's trying to bring in the idea of almost secular churches where we get together from different backgrounds and help each other. And mm. I think that's a, that's a real opportunity. I mean, someone's going to do really well in that space because I think as human beings and certainly from a biological perspective, you know, we, we need to be with other people. You know, we're, we're not meant to be on our own. We're not, we're not, you know, we're not these, uh, mm. you know, wild, wild cats that go around or polar bears who spend most of their life walking around on their own and only come together for sex. Humans are not like that. You know, we, we, we need the socialization. Well, them, so. I, I've been to a few cities like that, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but no, but, but, so there are opportunities there. But again, we're at this threshold moment. You know, we're not at the, the well, we'll never get to the end. It's a, it's a, mm. uh, there's another beautiful piece of poetry that talks about we're on the pathless path. Uh, you know, all these people talking about goals and all this stuff. And frankly, I think it's a lot of nonsense because um, life isn't like that. You can only really see life in hindsight. It's quite difficult to see it that way. But I think part of the pathless path is we're getting, we, we need to be better at working to being together. Um, we used to be quite good at it, but that was within a construct that's no longer appropriate. So we need to think of a new construct. And that's certainly not going to be going back the way it's going to be going forward, but in a different way. Do you know mm. the answer? No, I don't. Um, but I do think there is an there is an opportunity there, which is kind of what the whole man academy is about. But it's not the answer. I know yeah. it's not the answer. I, I think the new focus on things like mindfulness, um, yeah, being more introspective, providing people support to know that good enough is good enough. They are good enough, yeah. uh, and a lot of stuff we're doing around mental health first aid is very powerful. And yeah. I think that's what we've lost. And I, I think 
what we need to do is, is help men embrace yeah. this, where women will naturally come together and talk about their feelings, talk about the stress in their life, talk about the man in their life, talk about all the issues exactly. they've got with each other yeah. in a, in a, in a yeah. safe, friendly environment. But men yes. always come to, well, in my past experience, men come together looking for sort of one-upmanship, establishing their yeah. place in the, in the pecking order, not showing weakness, yes. or yes. they'll be the brunt of the banter. You know, it's it's making sure yeah. you're not the weak weak person in the pack, isn't it? And it's yes. Uh, so to say to burst into tears and say I'm really struggling, it's no. not a male thing. And I I, I no. know two men that have committed suicide through financial pressures no. uh, at work, business, and family, and yeah. their problems were solved immediately after their death by everyone pulling around the surviving yeah. partner and yes. saying, we can help you and fix this. And their businesses were rescued. Everyone was paid. So these yes. solutions are always there. It's just, yeah. oh, you need to, you need to have a fuse in your head that says help. Yes. And even, even what you've just said is interesting because in, in, in a, in a tangential way, because if you go into the, the football dressing room is a classic metaphor, right? And it was a reality. And I've heard people saying um, it's awful, the, the language, the demeaning language about women, the, the demeaning language about you know homosexuality and trans people is terrible. And actually, I used to agree with that. And I used to think, you know, I used to, when, during my British gas days, I, I got dragged into a, a job where I was looking after welfare. And I had to, um, there's, a, there's a word we used to use, we don't use it as much now, but we, we used to have welfare officers, you know, who would run events and, and all. And I had to look after these guys. And to be quite honest with you, Joe, they were disgusting. You know, I was like, Ugh! you know, mm-hmm. and I won't tell I'll tell you the story in the pub sometime, but uh, there was some stuff that was really scary. But I've actually reframed that in my head now. I, I, I kind of see it as saying that's really bad is not right because they obviously need it. There's something happening there that they need. The problem is there's not the next step. You know, there's not the place for them to say, you know, I've gone to the football environment and I get a lot out of that from my mates and I like that. And personally, I don't like it, but a lot of men clearly do. Millions of men clearly do. Yeah. So just to say that's rubbish and discount it, I don't think it's right. I think we say, okay, men need that environment. Let's understand that. And I don't understand it, but let's understand it. But then there's the next level, and this is what the whole man academy is trying to do, is to say, okay, come along to one of our events. We'll talk about football, but we'll also talk about your feelings. We'll also talk about, and we're trying to be cute with it because we'll talk about things like fashion. Men never talk about fashion. We'll talk with, with, with guests last, last month from a company called Shake Up, which is men's makeup, right? And when we started to talk about men's makeup, I, I, you know, one of the guys said, put your hand up if you ever used your partner's makeup. Nearly every hand in the room went up, right? It was like, whoa, you know. So a lot of this stuff is about getting them, us together, men, women, and, you know, get us together and just get us talking about, you know, mm. how it feels, you know, and how, how you know. And I'm not, I, I, please don't misunderstand me. I, I also have an issue with the victim culture. I think we've created, you know, I work with school kids quite often and, and you can see a lot of those kids have been programmed to be victims, and I don't think that's helpful either, you know, so it's, but it's because it's so complicated. It's it. And it's kind of why I use poetry quite a lot because poetry cuts through a lot of this, mm. you know, and, and things like, you know, as a first step, stand close in, you know, that, that it's like, what does that mean? And it gets you thinking rather than telling you this is how you've got to behave. Does that, does that make sense, Joe? So yeah, I think, it does. I think, yeah. You know, I, I, 
I see a lot of people trying to repurpose the word victim. You know, I'm not a victim. I was the target of. So yeah. victim is a very personal yeah. experience. Whereas if you can reframe that and say, I was the target of abuse. I was the target of someone's inappropriate behavior. It puts yes. it back to the person that perpetrates it. So I think exactly I, I, think, like it's, I think we should stop using victim and, and saying, was I was the target of. Yes. And Yes, if, if you if you identify as a victim, that's fine. I'm not, I'm not saying you shouldn't. But what we need to do is push it back to the people creating those scenarios in the first place. Yeah, because they have the problem. But it is. I mean, if you are the target of abuse or target of uh, discrimination through microaggressions, through socialization, through the, all the things, yeah, and it's a very privileged statement to say. Well, I don't see that. I don't. I don't. You know, man up girl up whatever that may be is is a very privileged way of looking at life and it's it's often incumbent on those with privilege to to walk in their shoes to understand their lived experience and to try and think about what's going on in their life and what support you can give from that perspective rather than like don't just chuck money at something actually some people would rather you you embrace them and gave them uh, emotional support not financial support give them attention just give them some attention belonging Value, yeah. worth, encouragement, yeah. praise, motivation goes a long way. And uh, understanding yeah. what motivates people is a is, is something we do in in the workplace all the time, isn't it? And absolutely, absolutely. Mm. So, so uh, what's what's the future then? What's the future for diversity initiatives? And how do how do we how do we get men to have these conversations with each other, and to have conversations with women, and to have conversations mm. with uh, people who are not like them in the workplace? How, how, how do we get them to come together? Well, oh God, there's a there's a, there's a, P, there's a PhD thesis on that question. Um, Magic bullet. Yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I don't. It, it, it's not going to be simple. Um, I think, and that that's trite, but it's true. Um, I think there has to be some carrot and stick. So I think legisl- legislation has to change. Um, I think the sort of with the world I used to live in, employment law has become far too about far too much about you know quotas and you know not celebrating difference, but actually making more difference, which I've got a, I think is a just stupid. Looks at it the wrong way around. Yeah, I think there are real nitty gritty things like you know maternity and uh, how that's dealt with and how careers are dealt with, how companies respond. Um, but I think there's, there's, there is actually, uh, and maybe this is this is more a hope. Um, one of the things that is becoming more and more obvious to anyone who works in any number of companies, and I've worked in over three hundred companies, and, and 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 you start to see trends in all sorts of companies, and you start to see how they're they're morphing and changing and all the rest of it. Now I don't buy into the millennials nonsense and I don't buy into you know all this stuff you know it's just it's just silly it's consultants it's just, it's just new labels it's just, it's just new labels new packaging exactly. things new yeah, yeah. yeah we don't need it yeah and it, it, we don't need it at all but what what is happening and and this is this is I don't know and I'm, I'm proud that I don't know because I really don't know um, if you look at the high street now or even online you know however you you buy things what are people looking for now? They're looking for things to be done for them as an individual. So it's a, the, you know, personalization, individualization. So you get your coat, can be your name on it, or you get your, your dress done to measure in the shop with a scanner, or you get, you know, all this is happening. 
and you think, okay, now that's only been, it's been around for a long time, but it's only really getting traction now. And I mean, I've seen some of the emerging technologies in this space, which is going to make it easier and easier and easier for companies to do things, bespoke products for everybody. So it used to be the, the driving force behind companies was something like, they used to call it scalable efficiency, right? So everybody had the same uniform, the same terms and conditions, collectively bargained with trade unions or staff associations, all of that stuff, that's now counter to what's happening in our lives. We're looking for individualism. We're looking for things that are for me, not for my tribe. You know, so, so I think that, and I, I can't, I can't imagine a future where that isn't going to be just something that keeps going like that. I mean, it, it is exponential. And I'm, I'm using, a lot of folk use that, uh, without really understanding what that means. Um, I mean, exponential means that if I, if I take 30 steps from where I'm sitting right now, I'll be in my loo, which is just down there, Joe, right? 30 steps will get me to that loo. If I take 30 exponential steps, I'm on Mars, right? Yeah. So that's it's the pace. The, the penny, yeah. doubling each penny on a chessboard. That's, that's exactly it. Yeah. Exactly. With the, the grain of rice, the famous story. But yeah. If that's happening in society about individualization, there is only one thing that's going to mean, and that means that at work, we're going to turn around and we're going to say, I'm not accepting collective bargaining. I'm not accepting quotas. I'm not accepting, you know, the the collective model. Now, Mm. I know people have, you know, you can say, I mean, my superpower is reading in one of the great writers in this space who I don't like, but was Ayn Rand, who was writing this in the 50s. And she was talking about individualization from a, you know, the market being the ultimate supreme driving force. And I don't agree with that. But what I do agree with is where you look at it and you say, okay, what will that mean in the company? And, and it will just mean that I want, if, I, if you want my skills, you're going to have to give me what I need for my life. It's why I don't believe in the work-life balance thing as well, because it's a false, uh, false binary. It's just nonsense, but that's another talk. But, but for me, it's, it's about, it's coming and companies are not quite there yet. And I think that will be the beginning of making this a much easier process for us all, because it's again, it's why I'm, I am very cautious about things like psychometric testing who say, Oh, you're a yellow or a red or a pink. No, that's labeling. And and if you get labeling, you know that that can never be a good thing. There are 7 billion different personalities in the world and we should celebrate that. Mm. And then people say to me, well, we can't do that, it's too expensive. No, <laughs> the technology is taking us on that almost evolutionary journey where mm. we can, I mean, evolution usually takes millions of years, but not in this context. You know, we can, we can now do things efficiently, but at the individual level. And I think, Joe, that, that's that's our salvation because mm. it takes away all of this. So our conversation would just be Joe and Scott having a chat. You know, it, it, it's I tell you, you taught me something right um, about speaking actually, and you said, imagine how you would feel if the manage, if the MC came on the stage and said, um, there was two types of people in the room. There was blue people and red people, and they walked in and they went, "Good morning, blue people and red people." And I was yellow. How would I feel? Right? And you taught me to say, good morning, everyone. That's, remember, do you remember that? I don't know if you remember yeah, even doing it. Yeah, right? That's what I do. Tiny little change. And I thought, shit. And I didn't mean, when I went up and said, hello, ladies and gentlemen, I didn't mean to not include somebody, you know. Um, 
But I never realised that. Oh, sorry, I did realise. I just never thought about it. No, other yeah. way around. I'd never thought about it, so I never realised. And I think that that sort of story that you tell, and I tell to a lesser extent, but will help people understand that we're all Joke Tamsons, Bairns. We're all the same, but we're actually all unique. And it's that we should be celebrating. And not things like, in the HR world, recruiting to match corporate values. I mean, what a pile of nonsense. But people sell that and people go, well, it's really important. It's actually killing your business. Yeah. Particularly in the next 10 years. Well, that's but to what get EVP, to... employer oh. branding, that's what it's all about, is here's yeah. our visions of values. We want yeah. to use that as an excuse for cookie-cuttering somebody else. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It, it, well, let's be honest. It always was about discrimination, and it was deliberate managed discrimination. And I get that, you know, historically. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if, you're, if you're running an army, you need somebody that fits that mold. They need to yeah. be the same, you know. But if you're running Marks and Spencers or you're running Barclays Bank, you don't need that at all. You know, I mean, I wouldn't tell you the company name, but I, I, I remember joining a company and just look at my CV, you can work it out. But the, the induction program, they actually told you where to get your haircut, what suit you were allowed to wear, what aftershave you had to buy. What They actually told you what fucking umbrella you were allowed to buy, Joe. From what shop? And it was the same with the girls. So it was like, but they've stopped that now, which is good. But, uh, but you know, that is where we're coming from. And anyone who's naive, and I include you and I in this, who thinks we can change that overnight, well, they're they're just being naive. It's going to take generations. But to answer your question, I've been prattling on now about your question. It's such a good question. I think that change will be, that will be driven by a mixture of sensible legislation, but mainly about, the culture we live in being based on individualization of products and that will drive a demand and a requirement for companies to treat us as individuals, not mm. as labeled groups. That's a good thoughts there. I mean, personally, I think we're going to see the rise of the artisan. You know, we're going to value the intellectual yeah. ability of an individual uh, and that fits into your individuality. That's into it. And yeah. organizations need to learn how to manage artisans yeah. and respect them and motivate them and not yep. box them into this corporate structure. We need more neural networks of employees and people. And don't, yeah. don't think of employees, just think about it as team players in our neural network. And, and our artisans in the future are going to be gig workers. They're going to have a portfolio of careers. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. They're going to come together for small, discrete projects, maybe in an agile workforce, uh, yep. resourcing on demand. So, again, we need to be able to value and motivate these people differently than just yes. put them in this HR box. Yes. Uh, but I also think we also have increased um, – pressure on mental health because if a lot more people are going to work remotely going to work in isolation what yes. outlet do people have for socialization to share ideas to have discussions to have disagreements and agreements yeah. and i think yes. that's the same in the future where we end up just having conversations like we are now online with yeah. one-on-one but we don't enrich that with, with a broader experience i think that's maybe the challenge of the future is to stop people feeling isolated because as soon as yes. people like individuals that, that yeah some of the tribe and team spirit disappears as well. So we all become gifted individuals and not not team players. So those Um, those are definitely challenges as I see it. Yeah, as far as the pathless path, you know, we we, we don't know where it's going to go. But I mean, another thing that I quite often have heated debates about is people telling me that, um, you know, we have to think about development in a different way. It has to be done online. No, it doesn't. You know, there, there, there is not a platform on the planet that does it well. 
they, they do it okay. Yeah. And it's only ever going to be okay because you know, you're sitting, you and I can have this conversation here, partly because we know each other. That mm. helps. Yeah. But, but actually to get the, the real, to get the real nitty gritty with somebody, you've got to be in the same room as them. You can't, you know, replace it. And, and it, there used to be a phrase, and I don't like it, but it was a blended learning. You know, you would, you would, you would look at things from different perspectives. And of course, we now know that learning styles is nonsense and you know, all this labeling stuff is all, ooh, it's all nonsense. But yeah. getting people together is, is dynamite. It's dynamite. And it goes right back to where you started this when you mentioned about mm. community. Community yeah. is not online. You yeah. can help with online stuff, but the reality is, and a lot of people get a lot of good things out of the online stuff. Actually, real communities like face-to-face, uh, touching hands, etc., yeah. and a blend, and I, yeah, blend. blended learning. But and I, and yeah, we're, we're not kinesthetic, audio, visual, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We're more no. than that, but we all appreciate diversity of learning opportunities in yeah, yeah. two different ways. Absolutely, but storytelling is a very historic <laughs> yeah. human way of communicating. We, we draw cave paintings. Yeah. We tell each other stories. You know, the Icelandics oh. have the, have the yeah. sarkas of uh, Snorri to talk about their yeah. culture, how things have evolved. Way before Wonderful. we can write and communicate and transmit, the yeah. human species developed through stories, which is, I guess, yes. where religion, a lot of religion came from, through the stories. Yeah, and, it was. Kind of thing. But we love our stories. We go to the cinema to see a story. We come, entertainment is about making, taking us from a journey from here to here and making us feel yeah. great at the end of it or sad or happy, getting an emotion. So yeah, yeah. humans coming together and telling stories is very powerful. And oh yeah. That, yeah. That's, I'm a great believer in that. But they don't so, teach us how to tell stories. No. Yeah, if you go into, I was working with a group the other week, uh, two weeks ago, young people who were all doing quite well on their corporate jobs. And I'd watched them all do presentations. There was maybe 20 of them. Not one of them told a story. Not one of them. It was all about bullet points and about leveraging the value, all that nonsense language that you get, you get indoctrinated with. But of course, they don't teach you at school. It's, it's, it's crazy. They don't teach the important stuff is not done at school. They don't teach you how to have relationships. They don't. Hmm. They don't teach you how to, how to read a book. And I know that's my, I think that's my superpower. They don't actually teach you how to read a book at school. And they certainly don't teach you how to tell stories. What's more important than those three things? Mm. I can't think of anything. Yeah. I mean, you look at, you look at the recruitment process. We based it on yeah. a CV and we were taught yeah. how CVs and it's all about bullet points. Yeah. Um, uh, I achieved, um, even short sentences. They're not, they're not really telling you, know, I, I did this and I achieved 50,000 pounds worth of saving, whatever. Yeah. That's let me tell you a story about who I am. Get to know yeah. me as a person. Get to know my values, what makes me tick, what makes me happy, what yes. makes me sad. Those are the yes. conversations. You go, actually, I think you're a fantastic person. You'd be great here. We'd love you. Come and have a job. Us. Come and have a job. And yeah, let's, yeah. Figure how, let's figure out how we can make that work together. And that, we never yeah. have those conversations. I appreciate yep. it. Hiring at scale is, isn't very It's difficult. It's hard. Yeah, it's but, but for artisans, for, for specialists, for senior managers, for leaders – we need to have that more story-based, who are you? Tell me yes. about yourself. Um, which again, Coming here. Mm. Sorry. I mean, telling you about yourself, again, creates problems with people with neurodiversity. Yeah. They're not all that, we're always well-versed in, in, in the storytelling art. So we, we yes. gotta, we've got we to gotta respect different learning styles, different personality types to be able to allow everyone to succeed within, within a storytelling environment. So, yeah, it's... Of course. There's no easy, there's no easy magic bullet, as we've said already. No, it's complex. 
So but, but that makes it beautiful. That makes it yeah. beautiful for me. That just makes it beautiful. Yeah. Complexity is beautiful. Simplicity. Yeah. It's a bit like, uh, and I won't go on about this, but what, what the, the, one of the competencies I really don't like, really don't like, and I and I know it, it, it's a, it's an indicator of someone who is going to have a problem with me, if nothing else, is people who are certain. Certainty is the sign of a fool or a teenager. Yeah, yeah. That certainty it, 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 it's just such a silly way to be, um, and that's why you know Brené Brown nicked this from the Buddhist. She, but she talks about you know having a soft front, strong back, and a soft front, and a wild heart. The bit she added, but yeah. th- that's what that means. It, it, it means that you, you, you a soft front means you take in. You know, you don't have a hard front. The armor, you know, like the, yeah. the certainty thing. I agree. Um, and it's it's beautiful when you think about it, but. People don't get it. They think companies think, "Oh, I need somebody who's dead sure," and they need to know what they're doing. Mm. That's how that's how we got yeah. the Scottish Parliament building or the O2 or the you know they call them black swans. That's because people yeah. were certain about what they were doing rather than actually being open to feedback and, and changing what they were doing. But I won't I, I won't go on Joe because I, I, no, I'm no, quite no, passionate no, about that subject. <laughs> that's another hour we can have. Um, I mean, yeah. It's a question I like, um, which is strong opinions lightly held. Yeah. So it means you yeah. can have a viewpoint. You you do know what you stand for, but likely yeah. help means you're you're able to embrace other people's and maybe adjust your own and recontextualize it or, or accept other perspectives. So I think yeah. I, I like your, your, mind. Uh, your 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 soft front, strong back type. Yeah, I love I love yeah. the content as well. Uh, anything yeah. that says I, I want to speak to somebody who has an opinion, but I'd like yeah. to think that between us we can come up at a third opinion, a bit of yours, a bit of mine, and a shared yes. one. And that, that's, yes. I think, the basis of all storytelling and human interaction is to come up with a third view, which is the amalgamation uh, of the view. Yeah, yeah. Totally um, well, I think we yacked on now for well over an hour, and that's been fantastic. Um, <laughs> so how, how can our listeners and our viewers uh, find you? So you've got hashtags, okay. and uh, what's a good way of yeah. finding you? Well, my main hashtag that I use everywhere uh, is slightly narcissistic, but it says Scott Speaks. Um, and uh, I, if you use that on, on LinkedIn or on Instagram or on YouTube, you'll find me. My YouTube is called The, the Employee Experience, which is uh, full of uh, mini documentaries and little what I call talk trailers for what Scott Speaks about. Um, otherwise, I'm obviously on LinkedIn. And But my, my favourite platform, and the one that I think is misunderstood um, is Twitter, um, because Twitter is about information. It's not about your family or your job. It's about information. And if you use it well, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's still a lovely platform. So uh, at Scott underscore MacArthur is, is where I can be found most of the time. Um, and my, 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 I'm very proud of how I curate my Twitter stream. Uh, and, and, and a lot of the detail there disagrees with what I say because again I think you should be giving balance um, to people and don't think that all my stuff is is certain because it certainly isn't fantastic and if anyone would like to find out more about the whole man academy whether you're a, a uh, woman listening a man listening or someone who identifies yeah. as, as non-binary or other genders yeah. then again contact you is it hashtag all man academy as well it is yeah hashtag all man academy and it's wholemanacademy.com uh, and we we have a we have a newsletter which is open to everybody. Uh, we're about to make a big announcement about uh, a podcast. Uh, it's coming soon, 
Uh, we're starting recording that in the next couple of weeks. Um, that'll be a bi-weekly uh, podcast. So that's all coming in the next uh, the next few weeks. Well, thank you, Scott. I really appreciate uh, our time together and I really look forward to catching up with you face-to-face again and just carrying on this conversation. In fact, what we should Absolutely, do is Joe. set up a webcam next time we have a pint. <laughs> do you know, that's a great idea. Yeah, okay. Know, let's, 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 let's be in each other's pubs, but on the, yeah. on the webcam. That's yeah. a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, well, thank you very much uh, and to the audience um thank you for listening please do subscribe to keep updated with future episodes of the inclusion bites podcast that's b-i-t-e-s bites i have a number of exciting guests lined up that i'm sure you'll be inspired by over the next few weeks and months and if you would love to take part please do let me know i'm looking for other people to just have a chat with joe and inspire the audience so thank you very much catch you all next week See you later. Bye.